the more and more you practice reading from a script, the more and more you lose who you are and the more and more you become who other people want you to be. Hey there, this is Bev and I'll be your host of the People at Work podcast today. This podcast is brought to you by Jossel, the creator of an employee intranet that is striving to make people have better experiences at work by helping them be connected to people, information, and projects within their organization. And while we're building this incredible intranet, we are also thinking about what's actually impacting people during their workday. And so that's why we started this podcast, so that we could explore topics around culture, leadership, teamwork, um, and employee engagement with guests from all around the world to help us understand what's actually going on at work. So I'm really excited to bring you this episode uh, with our guest, Jamal Marshall. Jamal helps busy professionals become their authentic selves. And he does this by being a mentor, an advisor, a public speaker, and a certified counselor. Now, Jamal and I met through LinkedIn initially, and it came about because I saw one of Jamal's inspiring daily videos where he films um, messages from his walks in the forest and along trails. And I just, I really felt so connected to him and, and because I love the forest myself and I, um, I love seeing authenticity shine through in people's messages. So um, I immediately knew that I wanted to get in touch with Jamal and I, I knew that he would be an, an amazing guest for the podcast. So he's here with us today and we're going to be chatting about um, not reading from a script in both social and work life situations while still maintaining your professionalism. So really what that means is how do you be your authentic self? And uh, there's no one better than Jamal who is authenticity defined um, to help us understand this in workplaces today. So welcome Jamal, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Bev. I appreciate that. Yeah, we have already had a, a, a beautiful warm-up conversation and have lots of great energy between us. And I think that our listeners are going to get a lot out of this half hour that we're going to be sharing together today. So thanks for being here. Let's start with a, a quick background to what your um, career background is, what drives you, and why did you start making those videos? Well, to be honest, Bev, uh, obviously, my career background is global lead. Uh, I work at a place called International Justice Mission. I am a certified counselor. Um, that's something I was doing full-time uh, for years uh, at a residential facility. Um, I stepped away from doing it on the full-time capacity, but I still do counseling, still do mentoring, still do advising. It's my passion. I love seeing people be the them that God created them to be. That is my desire. And a lot of times you think in life, we're not rising to our full potential because we are broken. You know, we do have hangups. We do have things that come into bear on us um, from the outside and also from the inside. And so it's how can I inspire? And also as I'm being led myself, lead another into being the them that they were intended to be. That is my definite passion. And if you think about the workplace, there is a decorum, there's a professionalism, there is a, there's a certain height that we bring uh, into the workplace. But a lot of times it's not us. And the, when people aren't thriving, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, uh, they tend to kind of pull back and even their ideas and even their performance begins to suffer. Uh, and I hate to see professionals suffer in that way because we spend 40 to 50 hours within the workplace. Uh, to answer your question further, 
as far as the videos, I love video blogging. Uh, I remember a friend who was actually uh, does film. He said, you're really good on camera. He said, when the camera gets in front of your face, you're not shy, you don't freeze, you know what to say. And uh, I take daily hikes of about maybe seven to 10 miles. Uh, and it's, it's, it's pretty strenuous on the body, but I love doing it. I love getting out in nature. And I would be in the middle of certain forts and it's like, what about your camera? I'd get inspiration and I would just film. And so I started putting them on LinkedIn uh, for the community uh, just to get a gist of what, what was getting downloaded into me. I wanted to download it to everybody else and share that. So, um, and those videos are, are getting around. It's so strained. I, I really didn't expect anything. I, I put it out with no expectation and um, the return has been pretty amazing. Well, they're, they're absolutely delightful. And just seeing you, how you've, you're lighting up now as you're talking about them. And I can see that it's just part of your passion to, to help inspire people and, and to give people something to think about, about what it actually means to be your authentic self. So maybe let's start at a, a fairly high level. We frame this as being authentic could be expressed as not reading from a script. So maybe help our listeners understand what do you mean by that? That's a good question, Bev. And just to cut straight to the chase, I actually have a video coming out in a couple of weeks. Now I'm held accountable to it. It's called Social <laughs> Script. Uh, and when we enter uh, into the workplace, because of what the workplace uh, represents, uh, oftentimes we look at our surroundings and we look at the temperature that is set. And when we come to the workplace, we, we bring a certain amount of fear with us, uh, especially if we're new, because you're there to prove yourself. And you kind of get a sense of what is the culture, you know, of this workplace? How do people talk? What are the things they talk about? What are they interested in? You know, what are the things they dislike? And a lot of times, depending on our level of confidence, we will typically tend to find out what that social script of that environment is and then match our words and match pace with it. Uh, and the more and more we do that, I also had a video actually that was dropping yesterday that did not get dropped. Technology was not on my side, but it's coming soon. We began to practice that. And whatever you practice, you will perfect. And over time, the more and more you practice reading from a script, the more and more you lose who you are and the more and more you become who other people want you to be. Uh, and then as that happens, we typically tend to grow in self-pity when we see how much time we've lost, how much energy we've lost. Uh, how much even innovative ideas we've lost because we're so busy being in everyone else's head and in their world. And that self-pity really can't be blamed on anyone but ourselves, <laughs> because we didn't take the opportunity to say, you know what, what, what does my voice sound like? You know, uh, what are the ideas that, that I bring to the table? What are, what's the brilliance that I'm actually here to let out? So that's, that's part of that reading from that social script. If I can flesh that out, that makes sense to you. Yeah, that absolutely does. And let me ask you how, against the backdrop of uh, racism and, and racial injustice that we've seen playing out in particular over the last few months, specifically in the US, but across the world, it's definitely become more of a pressing topic. Um, what does this mean with these um, scripts that you've mentioned and the way that, that businesses and organizations and society is structured? What does that mean in terms of, of how difficult it is for BIPOC people to actually be themselves if there are these scripts that are in place? Is it harder for people who are a bit different or who are come from a, a, a different racial background than the person who wrote the script, if that makes sense? Like, maybe just help me understand what that looks like. 
That question makes perfect sense. Yeah, for a Black, Indigenous, or persons of color, uh, when there is a majority script and there is kind of a way of doing things and a way of talking and a way of being, uh, when you veer from that, you stand out even more than you already do. And, and once you begin to stand out from that, you feel like, okay, my time is limited. My head may be on the chopping block. Uh, and in these environments, you typically tend to bring your representative instead of who you are, because the environment has already shown that this is a predominantly whatever environment. I don't want to just say predominantly white because you may step in, you may be a white person in a predominantly black environment, or you may be uh, a Middle Eastern person in a predominantly Jewish environment. I could, I mean, it could, it could cut so many different ways. And, and so the temptation is, okay, why don't I just match pace? Why don't I just bring what represents what the majority is saying, what they're feeling? And at a time of uh, civil and social unrest, why don't I just kind of temper whatever it is that I would really say and the, the emotions and the feelings and the hurts that I would express because I don't want to be put on blast or gaslit as one who is unhappy or one who is other than. Mm -hmm. And does fear play into this? Like, is there an element of fear of, you know, not speaking out or um, not being yourself because you might be afraid of repercussions? Definitely. Uh, anytime that fear is pervasive in an environment, uh, and anytime we also have internal fear that we have not addressed, we're not going to express those deeper things that actually could lead to a place of healing and understanding and growth, not only for the person, but also for the organization, whatever it may be. Yeah, and th that leads me to a question that I wanted to ask about what responsibility do employers have to create environments where, where people can be themselves, regardless of their ethnic background, skin color, choices they've made about their life? Like what responsibility do employers have? That's a great question, Bev. And the way I'm gonna answer that, and I hope this is really clear, but it's 50-50. Um, many of us come into the workplace with our own insecurities, our own hangups, our own, I'll say brokenness. Uh, counselors will understand that, that talk. <laughs> uh, we, we already come with that. But if it's environment, again, and I, I kind of beat this horse until it's dead, if it's an environment where fear is pervasive, it only exacerbates it. You know, it'll only compound that. And so uh, employers have the responsibility of actually themselves uh, giving the employee that space to be everything they are, and I'll say everything they're not. Uh, and I don't say they're not in a negative way, but you can be yourself here. You can bring your culture here. You can bring your hurts here. You know. Now, granted, as professionals, uh, there is a discretion in the professional environment that doesn't follow us outside the workplace. Uh, and there's a certain level of decorum that we bring to the workplace that we should. I, I believe everybody should. Um, however, uh, employers, if they want their employees to thrive, give them that space. You know, uh, when you bring them in, let them know that this is a safe place. Because if they don't know, Anytime someone doesn't think it's a safe place, they tend to pull back. You think about a, a preschool or somebody going to kindergarten, they just magically don't, automatically just don't feel safe. So they hug mom or dad's leg. You know, as adults, we do the same thing. We just do it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And so employers, uh, when they're bringing on a new employee and they're bringing on uh, someone who is other than them, no matter what their ethnicity or their back, background as far as uh, race may be, um, letting them know, this is a safe place to address those issues. You're spending 40 plus hours a week. We want you to thrive here. Yeah, what you mentioned there reminded me of a conversation that I had with another podcast guest who focuses on diversity and inclusion. Um, 
and she was talking about something called the decency quotient. I don't know if you've ever heard of that term. And really it's the principle of, of simply being decent to one another, like starting with the premise. And it, it ties into kindness and compassion, but it really just starts with if we all approach each other in a decent manner, whether you're at work or at the supermarket or at school, um, you know, the world could progress in a much kinder way. Um, and by being just simply being decent, you just are being human to human with one another. So um, I, I don't know, does that strike a chord with you? Do you, do you think that that has value to frame it in that way? Oh, totally. Um, and you'd be surprised um, in, in both corporate and nonprofit, uh, there are environments that, that can be toxic and where people aren't decent, um, but they're also bringing their own hangups. They're also bringing their own shortcomings and misgivings and matters that are unaddressed in them. Being decent, obviously, is not something that everyone's born with. Uh, I recently did a podcast with Progressaholics, and it starts at home. You know, uh, I, I'm thankful not even having the best childhood, but be raised in a very culturally balanced household where my parents addressed race and address ethnicity in a balanced way. Like, it, I'll tell you a funny joke. Like, <laughs> the youngest sibling and I, we weren't even allowed to call white people white. We had to say Caucasian. I was like, Ma, that's so long. That is really <laughs> long. <laughs> but it was almost a way of kind of softening that thing because it almost, to say white, but it, it can almost sound sharp. And, and that's just, the, that's what, I'm not saying that my parents were perfect or that they did everything right, but that's how they raised Jazz and I so that we could always come from when I saw an Asian person, a Hispanic person, uh, a European American person, an African person, that person was just a person to me, you know? Um, and so again, decency, when it comes to the workplace and it has not had that sort of upbringing, um, it has to be cultivated. And things get cultivated as they are addressed and accounted for. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I like what you said about it's, it's starting at home and it just, you know, reminds me that um, this isn't necessarily just a workplace problem that employers have to fix. Like this is a societal systemic problem that we have to fix at, at every opportunity. So you said that it, you know, that there's a 50-50 split in terms of the responsibility around creating these environments. And I, I'd just like to talk a little bit more about the individual and how do we help individual people recognize first that one person can make a difference and that by collectively, if we each speak up and if we each change our hardwired attitudes that we might've been raised with, we can actually bring about change. That can be hard in an environment where mm -hmm. it's potentially toxic. Um, there are people, maybe your manager has got an attitude that isn't easily going to be changed. Um, maybe it's a racist attitude, maybe it's some other um, discriminatory attitude, but isn't easily changed. And we know that that exists in many organizations. How do we help individuals be empowered? Like, there's a lot of talk happening, but how do we actually go into action? Mm, I love, babe, you are taking it deep. <laughs> <laughs> I would say... Uh... For the individual, I'll, I'll start with the work environment and then we'll work our way from there. Um, the one-on-one -on -one is a great place. Um, and the one-on-one, -on -one, oftentimes when it's not like a team meeting or, or not like a, a program review meeting where everyone's there, the one-on-one -on -one is a place where even when you don't feel safe, you feel a little bit safer because it's just you and your manager. And you can begin to address you know, some of these issues and some of these matters and you can just speak up there um, and, and let them know like this, this is kind of where I'm at with this. And also if you don't feel 
very safe doing that. If you feel like I might get gaslit for this, always remember to have an advocate within the HR department. Um, that way, from a process standpoint, you've covered all your bases. What I love about uh, many organizations, they do have accountability mechanisms. Your manager you should also be accountable to another manager. Uh, and so you're not doing this thing to start problems or to start a fire, but so that you can thrive and bring everything you need to bring to the table to progress the vision you want everyone in on. Like, this is the things that I, I need to thrive. I really want to stay here. I really want to be here. Making that known as an individual and making what making known what it is that you need to thrive. Not that, oh, you know, please meet all my demands, but these are just basic things um, that, that will help myself and, and will help others <laughs> to thrive, but always speak for yourself first. Uh, I would say as an individual, uh, there, and we could be on this topic for a long time. I know I'm speaking to a broad audience here. And so there are some who have a faith in something, a belief in something, some who may not believe in anything. Uh, my faith is a great, um, it's a great foundation for me to know, in spite of what the world may say, in spite of what the media says, this is who I really am. And, and affirming that, you know, what we behold, I did a video uh, about that too, we become. If you're beholding the truth about who you are, you'll become that. Uh, instead of constantly taking in the lie of what society says you should be or what you should conform to, uh, because it's a majority thing. What I'd like to probe a little bit more is the power and the destructiveness perhaps of self-speak. And, you know, there's the script that's potentially institutionalized and part of the structure of, of the organizations that we have to operate in if we choose to be employed. Um, but there's also this other part of it, which is what we bring back into ourselves that also perpetuates some sort of script, right? We almost become a script because we keep telling ourselves the same thing or we don't necessarily give ourselves the opportunity to step away from that script because we think that's what's expected of us. So how do you help people break out of the, the personal scripting that they're doing for themselves? Typically, I ask her questions. I learned early on, years ago when I was training as a counselor, a good counselor asks good questions uh, so that you can come to a resolution and listening, uh, not bringing my experience of who I am to bear in on them, but just taking in fully everything that is being shared with me and then kind of, for me, in counseling, tailoring my counseling to that person because one size doesn't fit all. You know, on LinkedIn, everyone's going to have a program for something or something written out, and I believe in that. You, you need to have a brand that is organized, but also when it comes to the individual, one size is never going to fit all. Uh, and you can help a person when you really know what their background, their frame of reference, their hurt, their change and transition and loss, why it's brought them to where they are. And then you can begin to speak truth to the lies that they are constantly telling themselves. As you're, I'm learning to speak truth to the lies that I tell myself. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I would encourage any coach or person or on LinkedIn that listens to this, because LinkedIn's full of coaches, never try to come across like you're perfect and you have it all together. We are all in the process of becoming, so. Yeah, I love the, the humanness of that. We are just all imperfect humans. And if we can recognize that, perhaps alongside being decent, um, we could get a a lot farther down the road. Um, so let's let's switch into a different um, side of this conversation. Um, something that I'm curious about is if we have organizations who embrace this idea of allowing people to be their authentic selves, how does this help further diversity and inclusion in workplaces? That's a great question, Bev. Um, I would say I'm very thankful to be a part of an organization uh, and definitely a part of a division <laughs> that allows me to just be me. Um, 
what it does, and, and I, I shared this before and I'll share it again, is when you allow someone to be themselves, they come with ideas ready to scale, ready to drive forward the mission. They come with vision. I mean, they are like the bright, shining star. They come on fire. They'll do their job and someone else's job because they're thriving. You know, when you have an environment that doesn't foster real, authentic diversity and inclusion, you have survivors. And what survivors do is that they find a way out over time. They're there, they're gung-ho because they wanna be there. They came to the job obviously because they wanna be a part of it, but they see this is not a place where I can thrive and I need to actually find a plan B. Uh, so in an environment of true diversity and inclusion, when a person is encouraged to be their authentic self, you might have a life on you. You know, now granted, a good hire is three to seven years, you know, <laughs> or maybe just three to five years, but you may have someone who is so dedicated that you get everything you can out of that person when they're thriving. That's powerful, contrasting the survivors to the thrivers. I think that is a really good way to get managers thinking about the type of environment that they're creating and the conditions that they're building for their teams. And so maybe let's switch into a question around managers and knowing how important managers are and that they have the ability to negatively or positively impact people's daily work and their experience at work. Um, let's focus on them for a little bit here. So managers themselves probably operate according to a script, right? Um, so what advice do you have for people who might be listening who are managers to actually break down their own script, first of all? Right. I want to, one, be mindful that that manager is also accountable and has to answer and has deliverables. <laughs> you know, we were talking about the workplace and just even looking through a lot of what you've done from an HR process standpoint, you've dug deep in this, <laughs> you know? So, um, so for that manager who has their own insecurities, I would encourage them to be authentic. The funny thing about uh, being a, a professional is that we can still be professional and still let the veil down and still let our guard down. And when you let your guard down and you show your team and your employees that you're not a robotic um, machine of absolute perfection, it helps them to let their guard down. Uh, one thing uh, my manager told me uh, when I first started working under her, uh, she said, fail. And I said, what? I mean, I was just, you know, on the Enneagram, I will be a one. So, of course, perfectionism, I hate that. That's <laughs> 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 something I'm, I'm, I'm growing and growing and growing. Um, but she said, fail, fail gloriously and be accountable for it and own it. And when you own it, you learn from it and you succeed. Um, and, it, and it didn't give me the freedom to do sloppy work. It actually inspired me to rise to the occasion. It's just like, okay, you don't have to have your ducks in a row to complete this project or to collaborate with this person or to get the needle moving forward. Take the risk and go for it. And if you fail, you need to own it and you learn from it and you have something to pass on to the next. And so I would say for, for managers, uh, one thing about my manager, she, brilliant woman. I mean, the woman is amazing, but she's also human. You know, she also knows, okay, I'm really good at this. I'm really amazing at that. Jamal or, or this other person on the team is really amazing at this. I want them to own it. So managers really empowering their team um, and, and empowering them to be highlighted in their areas of expertise, but also culturally, you know, they can connect with this person that I can't. I want you to go for it without tokenizing. That's a whole nother topic, a whole nother podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but trusting them, you know, engendering trust. And one of the ways we engender trust, and I would even say from a counseling standpoint, um, 
is when you let your counsel ease and your clients know that you're not a perfect person, that you're also in your journey. You know, when people see the white picket fence of robotic perfection, they tend to throw their guard up and automatically they're shrinking away and they're not bringing forward from a work standpoint, their best product. And from a personal standpoint, they're not bringing forward their authentic self. So let me ask you a question. What role does vulnerability play in being your authentic self? It plays a huge role because to, in order to be vulnerable, you're already taking a risk. Um, and I know you've been in the professional environment for years, Bev. From a project management standpoint, you know when you invest in something, you're already taking that risk. So if you're investing in a project uh, and on the, on the deliverables, why not invest in yourself and take the risk of being vulnerable with discretion? There's a proverb that says the discretion of a man will preserve him. We can be discreet without being completely deceitful. And a lot of times in the workplace, because fear is so pervasive, even for managers, we can tend to be deceitful with who we are. And deceit will breed deceit. You know, lies tend to spread like wildfire. They go viral really fast. Really fast. So I yeah. yeah. uh, just want to encourage um, any managers listening, uh, be discreet but take the risk of being vulnerable. You'll be surprised what it brings out of your team and how much they bring to the table. Yeah, so that's a great segue into the second part of what I wanted to probe around managers. Uh, so now that we've established that managers must do the hard work to avoid the script themselves, um, and they have a responsibility to create environments where people can be thriving, um, how do managers help their own team members get off the script? Like what are some of the um, behaviors, attitudes, um, permissions that managers need to have for their people to allow them to thrive as well? Got it. Um, going back to what we were talking about earlier, Bev, the one-on-one -on -one is a place where that happens. Having those conversations. Um, I, I remember I used to, was, would wonder why does my manager want to meet with me one-on-one? -on -one? They want to get to know you. They want to get to know not only what your work style is, but what do you think like? What is your vision? You know, where are you going? Um, and managers can help their teams like during the one-on-one -on -one by affirming them, but also getting to understand that every person on your team is going to be uniquely different. You know, some people may have high administrative skills. Some people may have a skill to be able to gather other people, you know, some people may have a skill to collaborate with other teams. Everyone is not going to be the same. And so setting expectations that I don't expect you to be like thus and so and thus and so. I expect you to be you. And I expect you to thrive and bloom where you've been planted at. This is the position you're planted at. And I want to really groom you um, and just share with you how much I believe in you. So managers really sharing with their teams, uh, with their employees on an individual level, how much they believe in them. But also uh, when the team is present, affirming everyone as an individual and a collective. Uh, because typically, each one of us, again, are, are, are insecure in some way. If, if you have a team of five and you affirm one or two, the other three are thinking like, gosh, am I chopped liver? Uh, they're thinking that, <laughs> you know. Um, and granted, you may have someone on the team who, who's not thriving, who is sinking, or who just may not be a good employee. They may not be a good fit. That's another matter that needs to be addressed. Um, but in the sake of what we're talking about, uh, I would just encourage managers, managers, affirm their employees and the manager themselves. Uh, they'll need to be affirmed by their manager. They're also a part of a wider team. Um, and so the same thing you want to receive, give out. Yeah, I love the interconnectedness that you're raising here around 
the laddering of accountability that we have within organizations. And really, everybody is accountable to somebody else, even the CEO. You know, he's accountable mm -hmm. to the board of directors or he's accountable mm -hmm. to every employee, essentially. Um, so it's imperative for every single one of us as individuals to think about how we're showing up every day and what does that mean for ourselves, but what does it mean for other people too? Because not, none of us operate in a vacuum. I mean, it, it extends, even if you're a consultant or an entrepreneur, you're impacting your customers, you're impacting someone along the line of delivering your business. So um, it really does bring us back to this being a very self-driven thing to some extent, doesn't it? Because we all have to show up um, first and foremost as ourselves. Mm -hmm. Just to start wrapping up here, what I'd like to ask you for is some advice for what if someone is in an environment where they are trying to be themselves and they're just really struggling. They're not able to actually recognize with their manager what it means to be authentic. Um, the environment doesn't support them, but they don't have the ability to change jobs or find another um, means of work. So what does that person do? I would say one, I'll, I'll talk about what not to do. You definitely, a lot of times we think I need an advocate within. Um, and from a process standpoint, you definitely want to start with HR, but you want to avoid gossiping. Uh, that can poison a work environment. Even if you're on the receiving end, there's some, um, some pretty difficult things uh, that can follow you and it can follow you into the next season. Uh, so I would encourage them uh, if they can, you know, find a, a counselor, therapist, coach, pastor, uh, just someone who you can bounce things off that can look at things objectively. Because anytime when any of us are in a circumstance, we kind of tend to be tunnel vision to that circumstance. And so a person who's proven, uh, who has some experience from the outside that can look at things objectively, but also not bring who they are to bear in on you, but walk you through that in a way that helps you even thrive in spite of the environment you're in. Um, and also can give you some tips and cues on how to approach your manager or managerial staff in a way that may be redemptive. Um, typically, two are better than one. If we're only hearing our thoughts and we're like, well, I'm going to go say this to this person, that may not be prudent in the long run. Um, and also, I, I would definitely say for like a, a newer employee, uh, sometimes authenticity um, to come to the table and to bring everything you are, you need some wins along the way. You need some professional wins along the way to be proven. I wouldn't come in on the first day just saying, this is what I think about this. <laughs> that would not be very smart. Um, so I hopefully I've answered your question, Bev, and, and just encouraging that person um, from the inside, you know, go with HR with a trusted person, avoid gossip, and from the outside, seek someone who is objective, uh, who you can bounce things off of that may help you see some things you're not seeing. Yeah, thank you. That's really solid advice. So as we're closing here, is there any last thought that you'd like to leave us? Some inspiring word that maybe uh, you took away from your walk in the forest today that you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, I would love to say I took a walk in the forest today, but my left foot's a little inflamed, so <laughs> I didn't take a walk today. I'm just, I can't wait to get back out there. Um, yeah, I have a foot injury as well, so I feel you. <laughs> the prayer's going up for you. Um, last word I, I would leave uh, with anyone listening is, please know how freeing it is to just be you. Be everything you are, be everything you're not. Laugh along the way, uh, through the highs and lows, and as you are becoming, 
you get wisdom imparted to you that you have to pass on to someone else. So that's it for now. That's fabulous. Well, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. And we know that this is a complex problem to solve. Um, we know that organizations are not perfect. We know that society is not perfect. And we know that there are very real struggles happening for individuals around the world, particularly for people in our black communities, for people who are indigenous peoples of color and other people who just don't conform to what society thinks people should be like. It's a very difficult thing to have to navigate. And I think that your advice to just be you with the good things and the not so great parts, that's, that's the best gift you can give um, to the world. So I really hope that your words here today inspire people to double down on who they are and um, together we'll hopefully um, make change that's meaningful and uh, has impact in a positive way for everybody in, in workplaces and beyond. So thank you for sharing your time. And I'm so glad that we've met. I, I feel a, a wonderful connection with you and um, I do Same hope that there. we can continue our friendship beyond this. Oh yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks Wonderful. for having me. I appreciate that. And um, Jamal, if anyone wants to get uh, in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? And the easiest way to find me, folks, is LinkedIn. I'm the only Jamal Marshall on LinkedIn, so I'm really easy to find. Uh, I don't discriminate. Feel free to send a connection request. If you want to send a little message telling me who you are, that's fine. Love to connect and grow together. Fabulous. Well, Enjoy the rest of your day. I hope your foot feels better and I'm looking forward to the next video. It's coming. God bless you, Beth. Take care. Thank you, Jamal. Thanks for listening to this episode of People at Work. It would mean a lot to us if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. The more reviews we get, the more people discover the podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe to ensure that you don't miss an episode. You can do this wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can reach me at bev at jostle.me or find me on LinkedIn. Until next time, take care. Thank you.